Hello everyone, Jody Heiss coming to you from Washington, D.C. with another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Welcome aboard. We are thrilled to have you with us and I'm really looking forward to the program today. We are going to be talking about the national emergency on our southern border. It persists as congressional Democrats continue to prolong this crisis. They are continuing to refuse to take up any, any legislation that actually addresses our immigration laws. Uh, and, you know, we, we have loopholes that continue to fuel the border crisis. And the current wave of migration is absolutely overwhelming our immigration system. It's hurting those who want to come to our country the right way. And as is so often the case, the president is doing all he can to take action to try to protect this country. Most recently, he issued an uh, interim rule to return some degree of integrity, if you will, to our asylum system and the whole application process. In particular, what the rule does that he instated, it, it basically says that if a migrant reaches our shores, the United States, and if they have not asked for asylum in any country they cross before they get here, then they're not el eligible for asylum here in the United States. And listen, I, this makes all the sense in the world to me, and I would imagine it makes sense to you as well. Look, if you are running for your life, why would you be looking for some other shelter if you have already found shelter? So this rule just simply says if you seek asylum, you must seek asylum in another country if, you're, if you enter that country before coming here. And if you do, uh, if you do not, then once you get here, you cannot ask for asylum. Most of the time, this type of thing happens with people coming from Guatemala, El Salvador. Uh, they're coming through Mexico to the United States. And as you all know, there's been a huge increase in the past decade. We went from 5,000 asylum seekers in 2008 to more than 95,000 at the end of last year. That's a 2,000% increase. Incoming migrants, listen, they have learned that if they come here and claim asylum, whether it is a credible claim or not, if they claim asylum, they're going to be released into our country while they wait for their case. And the, the numbers are that about a third of the time, these asylum seekers don't even show up for their court dates. And in the, the, the last fiscal year, only 17% uh, 17 of those that were cleared to seek asylum uh, were actually granted that status based on their claims. So we have a small number of people who actually get asylum. The vast, vast majority of those asylum seekers coming to this country are false, and they do not receive asylum at all. And it's an enormous loophole. So in essence, the new rule on asylum reform it's an attempt to do what Congress has either been unwilling to do or unable to do uh, with the existing laws that we have as it relates to these asylum claims that are, are being made under false pretenses. So I, I applaud the president. I think this move is necessary. It's overdue. It's, it's legal. And, you know, at the, at the uh, top of the list, it safeguards the interests of the American people and our national interest. But we all also know exactly what's going to happen. With, not within minutes 
after the rule was released, you had a, a group of left-leaning activists and media talking heads. They were tripping literally over themselves to explain that there were going to be immediate legal challenges to this new rule. And the, the truth is they had already written the narrative. They had already planned the counterattack using activist judges and organizations like the ACLU, but they were going to challenge this rule before the ink was even dry on it. But folks, listen, I, I'm here to tell you that sequence of events where federal judges overstep their authority and prevent the implementation of executive uh, orders, executive responsibilities, that in itself is as dangerous to the fabric of our constitutional republic as is the entire asylum problem itself. And we've got to address this problem. You've got district court judges who, listen, they do not have the power, nor do they have the authority to issue nationwide injunctions. And I'm terribly grateful that this administration agrees with that position. In fact, Vice President recently made a statement, and I've got the quote here, but Vice President Pence said that the Supreme Court of the United States must clarify that district judges can decide no more than the cases before them. And it's imperative that we restore the historic tradition that district judges do not set policy for the whole nation, end quote. That came directly from, from Mike Pence, and he's spot on. We need to find a way in this country to hold judges accountable. We've got a host of liberal activist judges who have aggressively exceeded the bounds normally set for the judicial branch. There, there are uh, circuits out there that literally have handcuffed this administration at every turn purely, solely for political motives. And these judges' decisions are uh, often struck down by the Supreme Court, but that takes time. It delays uh, things that are trying to move forward, and it's simply not right. The president was elected by the American people to execute his policy agenda, and he is being blocked repeatedly from doing so from activist judges. And right now, I mean, federal law has limited options, frankly, as to what can be done to hold federal judges accountable. Uh, there are methods for holding corrupt judges accountable. Uh, there, there are judicial discipline complaints and this, that, and the other. But the only, only, only avenue to really rein in activist out-of-control judges is impeachment. And to be honest with you, obviously right now, that is an extremely uphill battle. Uh, and I, I'm no lawyer, uh, but we need to start looking at ways to stop a few of these activist judges from overriding the will of the American people. Uh, that is the bottom line That's what, uh, as to what has to take place. Here to discuss all things related to immigration is Rosemary Jinks. She is the Vice President and Director of Government Relations for Numbers USA. Many of you are familiar with them. They are a nonprofit, nonpartisan immigration organization, and they conduct, uh, I could just tell you, they provide a world of information. They conduct research on the impacts of high numerical levels of immigration 
And then they educate the public, they educate lawmakers, they educate uh, policy thinkers on the results of all their various studies. And Rosemary, I am so delighted to have you on the program today. What else would you add to the, the information that y'all provide? Well, I would just say that we are a grassroots organization of about 9 million Americans in every congressional district, every state. And our whole goal is to get the American people to reach out to their members of Congress and express their views on what they want in terms of immigration policy. So that's the most critical thing to us. We educate them, and then they can contact you and, you know, make demands. <laughs> right, and, and I know in conversations we've had, we've had, we have a number of people around here, lawmakers, members of Congress, who are great on immigration issues. Yes. But the, the problem is so powerful, it was important to me to bring out uh, who I believe is the, the leader on this issue on outside groups who is helping to educate our country and keep us here in Congress informed as to what's going on as well. Uh, so your, your thoughts, the, the crisis on the southern border, specifically as it relates to the economies that are being impacted, uh, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, states like this, what are they experiencing? Well, you know, it's interesting because, of course, that depends entirely on who you ask. For example, the New York Times recently published an article, not an opinion piece, an article about how the border surge is actually a boon to local communities because all of the overcrowding of the schools by completely impoverished people means that they're getting more federal dollars. So a boon- Means that the schools are getting more The schools more are getting many, more federal dollars, oh, wow. the hospitals are getting more federal dollars, the you know community services are getting more federal dollars. That's so that's not a exactly boon. what you have in mind when exactly. you're talking about an, an, an economic boon, wow. Exactly, and, and that's the point, that these are a, you know, a surge of incredibly poor people, no resources of their own, so the communities are having to fill in the gaps. They're going to local schools, they're overcrowding local schools, they're going to emergency facilities, healthcare facilities in the border communities. They are, uh, you know, engaging in crime in some cases. Uh, we know that they are, they are active with the cartels and the smugglers because they're paying the cartels and the smugglers to bring them in. So there is a criminal element there. Uh, but the cost to border communities is insane. I mean, all of the, the homeless shelters, um, food banks and so on are, are completely over capacity, which means that if you're a homeless person from America living in one of those communities, you've now been pushed out in favor of illegal aliens. And all of this expense ultimately falls on the backs of taxpayers. Absolutely. And to, to say that, you know, federal money coming down is a boon, it's still oh, our insane. money. Yeah, still, it's our money. That's not an economic boon. That's right. So um, do we have any idea what kind of dollars we're talking about? Clearly in the billions. I mean, there's, there's just no question. Illegal immigration, when you're not having this kind of crisis, costs us billions, tens of billions of dollars a year in things like uh, criminal justice education, um, public benefits, uh, you know, all of the, the resources that we provide people. And so when you compound it with these kinds of numbers, and, and the numbers are astonishing, and also if you look at the fact that historically illegal immigration has been single males, their whole goal was to get right. into the United States and get a job and then send money back no home. No longer the case. That is no longer the case. These are unaccompanied alien children. These are primarily family units, so women with their kids mostly, 
Um, and so these are not people coming in to work and provide for themselves. These are people coming in with the expectation that we will provide for them. Wow. So what are these cities doing? Uh, the, the, the cities that are absorbing these people, the states that are absorbing them, how are they, how are they managing the crisis? They're not. They're mostly begging for help. Um, they are declaring emergencies. They are begging for federal resources, basically begging anyone to pay them to take care of it because they don't have the funds to do it. So, you know, who's going to pay for it? It's going to be taxpayers one way or another until we can stop the incentives that are bringing these people here. And that means, you know, that either Mexico has to step up, which it has been doing, mm -hmm. and keep folks from getting to our southern border. Um, the asylum rule that the administration just announced, if the courts don't stop it, will be a huge uh, program to, to actually reduce the numbers coming across. Because once they learn that they're not going to get asylum in the United States, they're not going to come. All right. Well, let's go down that, that path. The president just put out this, this new rule. Let's, uh, I've mentioned it briefly, but tell us a little bit more about the rule and how you think it actually will be helpful. It's essentially the equivalent of a safe third country agreement. Um, if you look at, for example, the European Union, all the European Union nations agreed decades ago that they would have a safe third country policy where if an asylum seeker comes into one country, they have to apply for asylum there. They can't forum shop is what it's called. So you can't decide, I want to go to Germany and then come through Greece or Spain or wherever else and make your way to Germany and apply in Germany. You have to apply in the first country you come to. So what this rule from the administration says is that you have to apply for asylum in the first country you go through that has signed the International Asylum and Refugee Protocols. So for Central Americans, you know, if you're from Guatemala, you're going to pass through Mexico. If you're from um, you know, uh, other places, if you're from Haiti, you're going to pass through another country before you get to the United States in most cases. If you do that, you must apply for asylum in that country, uh, or when you get to the United States, we're going to deny you unless you've been a victim of trafficking or, you know, certain other exceptions. So basically... So we will be able to verify that with a country that they claim they filed asylum in. Right, exactly. And, and that's the thing. If somebody shows up on the land border... You know where they came from because they're still there. So they're in Mexico. Did you apply in Mexico? If the answer is no, then we say no then to them. You can't come turn in. Around. Well, I think it's an outstanding step on the president's part. You know, one of the most frustrating things is the lack of ability, lack of will, whatever you want to call it, that Congress has had in addressing this problem. Yep. Uh, the, the Democrats right now are so committed to harming the president they're not going to give him any kind of win, which, of course, securing our borders would be a win for the president. And so as a result, they are doing absolutely nothing to help on this horrible tragedy, emergency uh, that's taking place on the border. So what, what do you say to Congress? I mean, how, how from, from the outside looking in, what needs to happen in this body to try to get reasonable, effective uh, immigration reform across the finish line. Yeah, well, and unfortunately, it's not just the Democrats. Well, you're as right you know, about that. I mean, in the last Congress, we had a fantastic bill that was written by Bob Goodlatt from Virginia, the former chairman of the Judiciary Committee. That bill, the leadership tried its best to prevent that bill from coming to the floor, Republican leadership. They told President Trump, this bill will never pass. There's no point in bringing it up. 
It finally came to the floor. It got 193 Republican votes. It got zero Democrat votes. That bill would have solved the problem. Had had leadership whipped it, had they right. tried, had they actually tried to push that across the finish line, right. it would have. It absolutely would have. And if Democrats were interested at all in solving the problem, they're not. And that's that's a big issue. Um, unfortunately, Democrats seem intent on keeping the immigration issue alive as a political tool rather than fixing the problem. And of course, we all know that the people suffering for that decision are not only the migrants you know, crossing the desert and dying in the desert and being raped and molested and abused and so on and having to pay the smugglers and being kidnapped by smugglers, it's also the American taxpayer. The American people are paying the price for this. And it, it really is shameful that there are some simple things that Congress could do today and Congress absolutely refuses. There is no way that the Democrats are gonna allow these to come to the floor. Well, give me some examples, uh, some things that Congress can do uh, if they had the will, as well as the administration. What are some things that need to be on the radar? Fixing the credible fear standard for asylum so that everyone who says, I'm afraid to, to be sent home, doesn't get into the pipeline. Um, the Flores settlement has to be rolled back. The Flores, Explain that for our listeners. The Flores settlement is a court settlement between uh, the Ninth Circuit and then INS uh, that essentially said that children, minors, could not be detained for more than 20 days. Then they had to be released into the least restrictive setting. Then, uh, more recently than that original settlement, the same court decided that it was going to apply that standard to unaccompanied alien children and to the children of um, family units. And that explains why we have seen a shift from single males to all of a sudden now these so-called family units because they cannot, by law, be detained but a short period of time, and then they're well, released in And it's, it's not law. It's a court well, settlement. A court decision, right, we can right, back right, out right, of right. a court yeah, yeah, yeah. settlement yeah. anytime. Exactly. But remember, this current crisis goes back one step further. It goes directly to DACA, President right. Obama's unconstitutional amnesty. That's where this whole thing with, with children minors coming in started because that sent the message, if you come in as a minor, you're good to go. So they did, yep. and they are. And it opened the floodgate. Yep. Rosemary, our, t our time is just about up, but uh, before you go, what, what are you hearing from uh, those on the grassroots? You have a, an enormously effective grassroots organization. What are they saying? What are you hearing most? They're frustrated. They're just, you know, it is unbelievable to them that politicians in Washington can look at what is happening and say things like, this is a concentration camp, that, that politicians can blame federal law enforcement officers, can blame the Border Patrol, blame ICE agents. Um, you know, when you have events like an Antifa terrorist trying to firebomb an ICE facility, that wouldn't have just killed ICE agents. It would have killed all, all right. the support personnel. It would have killed all the illegal aliens who were being held in that facility. This is so out of control. And all Congress has to do is pass simple legislation and fix it overnight. Well, Rosemary, I want to thank you for the enormous voice and power that you carry and the, the heart uh, that you carry with this issue. And you've been doing an incredible job for years. And I just want to say hats off to you. And it's an honor to have you again on the program. 
thank you. I wish we were being more effective. <laughs> well, we will keep it going. I, I can assure you we are not going to let go of this. But, folks, listen, our time has expired. We want to pre, uh, express our appreciation to you for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this discussion, I would ask you, if you would, to take time to rate it, subscribe, and also review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And remember, as always, to follow along on Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, have a great day. This is Jody Heiss. We'll see you next time.